to welcome everyone. Good morning, and uh, just want to say it was just such a privilege this morning to worship corporately together, and just a great sense of God's Spirit with us. And uh, there's just something about the gathered body, the gathered church coming together, and when we make it a priority to focus on Jesus and to worship Him, um, we say something happens. Actually, the Holy Spirit, He manifests His presence with us. And I don't know of any other, I don't, I don't think that in quite the same way it happens in any other time. I mean, you know, I experienced the Holy Spirit in my own personal walk with Jesus and so on, but there's just something beautiful about the gathered church, isn't there? And being able to come together and to worship Jesus together. Um, we gather to Him, and that's why we gather on a Sunday morning. Some people say, well, <clears throat> are your, what's the purpose of Sunday morning? Some would say, well, it's evangelism. Some would say it's this or that. But it, it really is to worship Jesus. And out of that, a lot of other things can flow, but our central purpose is to gather to worship our risen Jesus, right? And this morning, um, we, we're just so wonderful to hear him speaking to us through, through Gene and through Tim. It was just wonderful. And uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to touch on, actually, I'm going to touch on anger, Gene. Where are you? Like, I'm going to touch on anger this morning, but in probably not a way that you may think. So, this morning, uh, big shocker, I'm going to talk about prayer. Um, and I'm going to, I, I kind of wrestled th- with this one a little bit, it just in the sense of like, okay, how much importance do I want to attach to the topic this morning and the topic and Oh, I know some oh this is a this will be a yawner silence and solitude like oh yeah rah rah right how is this gonna but <clears throat> actually silence and solitude is I think a necessary a necessary practice and we have the he- Trevor says do you want the trellis I said yeah we need the trellis this morning the trellis is here and we're going to see where this fits this morning in terms of um, in terms of our formation series. Um, but first, I just wanted to just draw your attention to a quote from Terry Virgo, which I thought was really good, because this morning I want to talk about silence and solitude. We're going to get there. But this is all in relation to resting in Jesus. And what does it mean to rest in Christ? And there's a lot of, there, there are a lot of ways that we can develop a, a habit of rest in Christ. And Jesus said, you know, um, I want you to come to me. And in fact, in uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and uh, carry heavy burdens. Anybody here weary this morning? Come on, just a few. How many of you, seriously, how many of you are carrying heavy burdens? I, I, I have a few, right? Let's be honest. And I will give you rest. Jesus says, Come to me and I'll give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you, He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your souls. Like, I need rest for my soul. I need rest for my soul. I need to know that I have a place of security and safety that I can go to despite all of the maddening crowd around me, despite all the craziness of my life, I have a place of solitude that I can go to if I choose to. And Jesus said, For my yoke is easy to bear, 
and the burden I give you is light. So you see, following Jesus, there are burdens attached to following Jesus. He just exchanges a heavy burden for one that is easy to bear, one that's a pleasure to bear. And Terry Virgo says this, faith is often a fight. How many know that we fight and we contend for peace in our lives, don't we? Right? Sometimes it's a rest. Whether you're in a fight or resting, faith and confidence in God must be at the center of your life as a believer. He alone provides strength for the fight and peace for the rest. He alone is the answer. Folks, He alone is the answer. He is the name above all names. He is the only one that gives peace. He's the only one that gives rest. The only one. I'm going off script. Big surprise. He's, he's the only one. Folks, in my life, I can tell you that I've tried to find peace and rest in other things from time to time. And I will tell you, they all fail. But there's one who doesn't fail. And his name is Jesus. And as I come to him, and I unload to him, and as I give him my attention, he provides me rest in the fight as I fight and contend. So whether I'm fighting or resting, I have faith and confidence in God. I'll tell you guys, there's times when my faith and confidence in God is shaken. So I'm like, oh God, I was just saying to someone this week, you know what? We just need some wins. We need, some, we, need some, we need something in the wind column over here. We need some wins. Anybody feel that way sometimes? You need, how many need some wins this morning? I need, I need some W's. Guys, we need, we need to find our rest and our peace in God. He gives us confidence to have confidence in Him. He gives us faith so that we can have faith in Him. He gives us peace so we can have peace in Him. He gives us rest so we can find our rest in Him. And there are things that are going to contend for the rest in your life. And those things are counterfeits. Those things don't do it. They might seem like they do at the onset, but they don't. So that's by way of introduction this morning. And so, so far in our formation series, and I hope I got these right, Joe, because Joe's going to know not just every detail in the list, he's going to know the date that they were spoken. So um, <clears throat> he's that guy, right? How many matchsticks, Joe? Count them, do you know? So far, a quick recap. Quick recap so far developing our framework of life based on the life of Jesus. That's what we've been working through this last number of months. We learned first that we have to be intentional with respect to following Jesus. It does, just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. It's like to, to think that just because you know Jesus that everything's going to work out fine. I mean, to a degree that's true, but if you use the analogy, and I think of it this way, of baking and cooking. I'm a terrible cook. 
Barb will tell you that I am not a naturally gifted cook. I need a recipe. I need to know the ingredients. I need to know the measurements. I need to know all that stuff. But to follow Jesus with unintention, that is not having a plan, not having a developed set of practices in your life that you are intentionally following, it's like thinking that you're cooking a cake, but you don't know what the ingredients are, you don't know what the measurements are, you don't know what temperature to set the oven, and you don't know what kind of utensils, what kind of dishes to use, and so on, and mixing it all up together and throwing it in the oven at some predetermined temperature and thinking that a cake's going to come out. It ain't going to come out. Not quite in the way that you expect. And then we're shocked when it doesn't. But we have to be intentional intentional folks with following Jesus we need to fix our eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him see he was intentional Jesus had a purpose in mind he had a plan in place and he knew he says says for the joy set before him who's the joy set before him we are we're the mystery revealed we're the church his bride for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he loves to be with his bride. He loves to be with us. Amazing. So he was intentional, so we need to be intentional. And then we looked at the importance of God's word in our life and, and what that means and how we need to be in God's word and we need to process God's word. We need to let God's word invade us. We need to let God's word penetrate us. We need to know that there's, there's truth in God's word because it is the truth. We've talked about the importance of prayer and communicating with Jesus and just loving him. So we've talked about personal prayer. We've talked about walking through patterns of prayer using what might be termed the Lord's Prayer as a pattern of prayer. We've talked about intercession in detail. And we now, uh, like tonight, when we gather together with leaders, we're going to be praying in an, in an intercessory fashion for things. So that's our intended purpose. We're coming together and we're going to pray for some things that we are calling out to God for. That's our intention tonight. Now, that doesn't mean that there might be some spillover and we might be ministering to one another and so on, but our intention and our expressed purpose is to come together to intercede. We've talked about Sabbath rest, and that's a radical one, isn't it? And how do we develop Sabbath in our life? Predetermined, scheduled times and places where we simply rest in every aspect of our lives. I won't go into all the details. You can listen, listen to Joe's message with respect to Sabbath. We've talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, who He is and what He does. We've talked about biblical friendship. We've talked about identity formation and how important it is to know who you are and whose you are and where your identity lies. And we talked about how that has a massive impact and influence on our sexuality and our views, views towards sexuality and everything to do with that. We've taught on family life. And we've taught on money. And, and, I mean, just listen to them. They're all online. And finally, we talked about caring for our physical bodies, which is massively important. So this morning, I wanted to emphasize one aspect of intentional spiritual formation. 
So in our talks on prayer, um, we mentioned, I mentioned it, but I really haven't gone into detail with respect to what I think is one of the most, most essential aspects of developing a spiritual discipline of prayer. I think it's kind of the, the foundational piece, really, because it sets my heart. We used to, I think it was Joe Marcucci many, many years ago, he said, you know, what you need to do in your personal life is to create a runway for the Holy Spirit. And, and the topic this morning, I believe, provides a runway for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. It's the, it's the necessity for seeing the importance of practicing silence and solitude in our lives. And folks, if there was ever time in, in, our, in our history where we need to understand the importance of what it means to be quiet and what it means to be alone, it's now. Because everything in, is wanting to encroach on, on your life. Everything. If I was to ask you what the greatest threat to your spiritual health is, I wonder what you would respond with. What would be the greatest threat to your spiritual health? The Christian philosopher and writer Dallas Willard has challenged the church to be intentional about the way that we have discipled and how we are being disciples of following Jesus. He's well known for identifying the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. And it's not maybe what you think. John Mark Comer has shared a story about a conversation between a pastor who you may, may have read some of his books. The guy's name is John Ortberg. And John Ortberg um, was friends with Dallas Willard. And during a conversation, John Ortberg was in a situation where he was trying to find some answers for his life. And, and Dallas Willard was his mentor and was someone that he went to, like a spiritual father. And he asked him, he says, what, what, what must I do to become the person that Christ wants me to be? And Dallas Willard responded with a simple but profound answer. And here is his answer. And I, I probably have said this before, but it bears me saying again. Here's his answer. Here's the greatest enemy to your spiritual life. He said, quote, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I'll say it again. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, I'm not going to unpack all of that. It sounds familiar because I've spoken about the need to slow down in our lives, and we do need to slow down and to be intentional for taking hold of practices and disciplines that are going to be life-giving to us. Once again, Jesus is our example here. Jesus was the master of slowing down. I said, well, Gary, come on. He did, he did so many miracles, and all the books in all of the libraries of the world couldn't hold all of his miracles. Oh, yeah, that's true. But for as much as he did, for as many miracles as he performed, he also sought the quiet place. He also sought places of solitude and silence with his father because he knew if he didn't do that, everything else was for nothing. He was consistent in retreating to quiet places, the, place where, the places where his strength was restored. So why do we think that it should be any different with us? Folks, our inner life, the inner life, and, and none of this is intended to inflict, if, like if you're feeling guilty about this, please, like 
speak against that guilt right now in Jesus' name. Set it aside. This is not about imposing guilt. This is about examine your life and ask yourself the question, why should it be any different with me than it was with Jesus? I mean, Jesus, every time he, he went out and performed miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, all of the great things he did, if you look at what he did next, he always stole away to the quiet place. Always. Not just for a few minutes, hours. I mean, even after his baptism, the father affirming his sonship, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, Jesus was called into the desert by the Holy Spirit into the lonely place and for 40 days and 40 nights without water spent time with the Father strengthening himself. And then, of course, we know that there was, there was this confrontation that took place with the enemy. But Jesus was in a place of strength, not weakness, because he had spent 40 days communing with his father and receiving from him and learning from him. And, and when these confrontations took place, he was able to withstand. And that was the pattern of his life, folks. The wilderness isn't a place of weakness, it's a place of strength. As the Gospels go on, we see that this quiet place was top priority for Jesus. In Luke, Jesus went out to the quiet place no more than uh, no less than nine times. And just one more story, and I'll stop. I promise. From Luke 5, the news about Jesus spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Crowds were literally banging on Jesus' front door. It was a regular thing. The next line says this. What did he do? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He withdrew to the quiet place. He withdrew to solitude and he prayed, and he spent time with his father. The busier and more in demand Jesus became, the more famous he became, the more he withdrew to the quiet place. Usually, for me, it's the exact opposite. When I get over busy and life is hectic and people are vying for my time, the quiet place, sadly, is the first thing to go rather than my first go-to. Now, thankfully, I'm getting better because I'm realizing after falling on my face flat so many times that I'm realizing and understanding that I have to understand the importance of the practice of being alone with Jesus. So silence. I don't know if I have a slide for this. No, I have that. Okay, there we go. There's two types of silence. Or actually, yeah, there's an internal type of silence and an external type of silence. So external noise is pretty self-explanatory. So if you're planning to spend time with Jesus in, a silent, in silence, it's quite obvious that we need to eradicate the external noise, right? So that means we have to be intentional about how we do that. So it's not going to be probably when everything's breaking loose in the house. That's not when I'm going to be experiencing silence. And for everybody, it's different. Some people, it might be early in the morning. For some people, it might be at night. It might be at noontime when you've got an hour for lunch, if you have that. 
There may be some times, but you need to find what those times are in your schedule to take out the external noise. But the more insidious one, being physically quiet is one thing, the more insidious one is the internal noise. And the internal noise is really challenging to get rid of. How many of you, when, and I've, I can tell you this truth, my life, how many of you know that when you say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiet myself before Jesus, how many of you know, as soon as you decide to do that, a thousand little squirrels start running around on their wheels? Eh? Is it, is it just me? And so, what that basically says, what that basically says is that this mental conversation that never quiets itself, that's the running commentary in our heads. What we then do, because I just can't do this because I'm just so distracted, so then what we do, I just add more external noise, and they say, enough of that, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else. So then what we do, we, we divert to, I'm going to read this book. Now, I love reading books. I'm just going to put some worship music on. Yeah, that's good too. But there's no substitute for learning how to adapt the processes of silence. And I guard it. See, external noise is relatively easy to quiet. It's the internal noise that's a different animal. There's no switch to it, it seems. The kind of silence that we're talking about is when you silence both. So when I'm talking about silence and solitude, I'm talking about getting, taking care of both of them. And you know what, folks? It takes practice. It's not going to happen overnight. The practice of being alone with Jesus in silence, that means, guess what? I'm not talking. I'm not saying anything. I'm just silent before the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm allowing Him to renew my strength in silence. I'm not coming in with a list. I'm not doing anything. My first order of business when I get up in the morning, and thankfully that's my practice, and you know what? I would have to say probably five out of seven mornings, this is my practice. I get up in the morning, I, I grab my shower, and I get my, my double espresso, and I sit in my chair, and I fold my chair back a little bit, and I just sit there in silence. I just sit there in silence. Now, I'm going to get to what I do in that silence in a second. Because there is something that you do in silence. It's not just leaving your brain wide open. It's not, we're not talking about Eastern mysticism here, folks. If some of you are like, oh, this sounds a little weird, Gary. Well, it is weird because God is weird. But it's not weird in the sense that we shouldn't practice this. This is about developing your internal processes for receiving from our Father. And so it, it takes practice. It's like going to the gym. It doesn't happen overnight. I, we've used this analogy before, but I'll use it again very quickly. Having gone to the gym a lot in my life, I would remember seeing uh, new people coming into the gym, and they, they walk around, they're looking at all the different machines and the weights and everything, and I'm sure in their mind they're thinking they've just walked into a medieval torture chamber. Like, what is all this stuff? And, the, and the, they might have a personal trainer, and that personal trainer will guide them through a workout, and that workout, which normally would take about 40 minutes, takes about two hours because you have to show them how to do everything. And they're up front, they say, look, you know what, you're not going to experience any real physical change here outside of pain for the first three or four weeks. You're going you're gonna to be in pain, like 
You're going to do this workout today, and then like tomorrow, and worse the next day, you're going to be like crippled. You're going to feel like I can't even move. But the guarantee is this. If you do this, if you are here every second day and you do this over the next three to four weeks, the next five weeks, you will start to see something change because this process will do something to you. And folks, I'm here to tell you that as you develop a process and a commitment to experiencing silence and solitude with Jesus, it does something to you. It does something to you. It strengthens you because the Spirit of Jesus is present with you. And solitude, what about that? Well, sol- what's solitude? Solitude is not loneliness. So let's take that straight first. Silence, solitude is not loneliness. Talk about silence. Solitude is when I set a time alone with God. It's basically, I'm, I'm, gonna say, I'm just saying, this is, a, this is time for God. I'm doing this alone. It's not lonely. It's anything but lonely. So permit me to share with you. Is this okay if I share an example with you? I think it's practical. It's one that's helped me develop this practice. It's actually quite simple and yet provides me uh, with a guide, if you will, for this practice. And I can only say it's been life-giving for me as I've stuck with it. And this has been about two years that I've stuck with this. It took quite a while for me to kind of get a rhythm in this, but now that I have this rhythm in it, it's indispensable. It's the foundation for everything else that I do in my time with Jesus. So this, what I'm about to share with you, takes about 10 minutes. Takes about 10 minutes. And the value and the importance of this practice can't be understated enough that as I am strengthened and I am finding my strength in God, I realize that this is happening for the sake of others. You see, this is a missional practice, folks. Our internal life, our inner life is key. Are we good? So, when I land in my chair, let's say it's 5.30 in the morning, and it is. Now, that's just me. You figure out when you can do it. I know Mark is right up at 5.30. He's like, no, I don't think so. But you need to figure out when and what. And so, I'm going to be in my chair. I simply start by setting a timer, sexy, eh? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. There are seven things that I focus on silently. I've memorized these things internally. I memorize them, and these are the things. Remember I said there's something that I focus on? These are the seven things that I focus on when I sit in my chair. So, here's, what it, here's how it goes. I'm sitting in my chair, and I ask myself this silent question. Gary, what are you angry about? And I just sit there, and folks, I gotta tell you, if you allow yourself to answer that question, you might feel something start to simmer. And that's okay. What are you angry about, Gary? And I just sit there. So the internal silent conversation 
Gary, what are you angry about? And I start to name a few things internally, silently. Sometimes I'm afraid to. I start to answer them. And then, here's what I do. I know this sounds crazy. I breathe it out. Oh. <laughs> you're getting a little Easter on me now. These are ancient practices, folks, that we've jettisoned. It's, it do, does actually breathing it out work? No. But it's a symbolic, I'm breathing out my anger. Lord Jesus, internally I'm praying this. Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my anger in this situation. I take a deep breath and I say, I receive your great abiding love. Breathe out anger, I'm breathing in your love. Gary, what are you sad about? Oh, I could say. Stuff I'm sad about, folks. And this is all with no words. What are you sad about? Here's what I'm sad about, Jesus. Would you fill me with your joy? Now, I have a couple scriptures that I use. Gary, what are you anxious about? Those of you, I know some of you struggle with anxiety, and I know that it's like really difficult. And I know that anxiety sometimes manifests itself physically even, and all those things, the restlessness that comes with it and everything. But if I'm sitting in my chair and I just say, okay, what is there in my life that's causing me anxiety? And I can identify those things and the Holy Spirit helps me and I say those things silently. I say, Lord Jesus, send your peace into my life. Is there anything that's causing me despair in my life? Oh, but Gary, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be despairing. Yeah, this causes me some despair. Would you fill me with hope, hope that comes from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, send your hope into my life. Is there anything I'm afraid of? Anybody fear anything in here? When you ask that question silently, Say, I'm choosing to trust you and not be afraid. Do I have a need for control? Am I trying to control something? Maybe I'm trying to control something in my family. Maybe I'm trying to control my external circumstance and has manifested itself in whatever way. I confess that, and Lord Jesus, I need to be healthily detached from the control because I can't control anything anyway. And it's not on the screen, but the last one is contentment. Am I discontent? Am I not happy with what I have and who has given it to me? And, and it, are my circumstances such that, are, you know what, I just, I've, I confess Lord Jesus, that I, I think I need this and I think I need that, but really I just need to know that I am content in you. It's 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. We don't have time this morning to do this, but I'm going to send this stuff out. You'll, you'll have it. 
And actually, if you come tonight, shameless plug for our 6.30 formation workshop, we'll talk about some of these things tonight. So if you want to know a little bit more. Um, and these are things that I've just kind of, like, I'm not very creative, folks. I'm not reinventing the wheel. These things are out there. Um, there's, when I talk about the first one about anger, this is the scripture that I've memorized, and I just silently pray that scripture. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. That book covers it. So I say, Lord, I just want to get rid of all my anger. I'm giving you my anger. And would you fill my heart with your love as you have with your Holy Spirit? Would you manifest your love in my life? Romans 5. And there's another one, sadness and joy. I'll stop here, but I'll just flip through them real quickly. So he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Am I brokenhearted about something? Yeah. It's okay. Like somehow we've lost the plot. We, 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 we don't, somehow we ignore our sadness and our brokenheartedness and we don't acknowledge it. And, and Jesus wants us to, folks. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. Would you sustain me, Holy Spirit? Anxiety, peace. I'll send these out so I see some of you taking pictures of them, but we'll send them out. Despair. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So Lord, I know that you care for me. I'm casting all of my despair. Isaiah 40 for, for uh, hope, fear, and trust. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. Lord, you are calming all of my fears. This is all silent, folks. Trust, but when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. It's not rocket science. I'm not like, look, look at the packages delivering this. Come on, I'm the least qualified. Need to control, detachment, and finally discontentment. I mean, one of the greatest antidotes for discontentment is just giving thanks to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've given me so much. And so, um, I'm going to end there. But before I end, I'm going to ask something really courageous. And I, I felt to do this earlier and maybe to take longer to do it, but I'm not going to take long to do this. It's going to be really quick. So first off, I just have to ask a question. Is this helpful? Yeah. Is this something that you think you can do? Now, this takes some little bit of homework, folks. This, like, you can, you can do this. And I might say that this 10 minutes, 10 minutes, I have my timer going, and my timer goes, I have this really, like, duck-quacking timer. And when it goes, then I move on to something else. I, I have maybe something I'm reading. I, I, I go into, the pro, into Proverbs this year. I'm into Proverbs, and, and, I'm, and I journal and stuff. I do that after this. This is like 10 minutes. This is all it takes. And if this is all you got, that's all you got. And if it's only three minutes, that's okay. It's a win. We'll take wins. We want to W. But here's what I want to ask. 
And this is, I, I just feel like there's grace here this morning for you. And, but yet, I just felt like there's an element of, of obedience and just trust because we're in a safe place. I just want to ask really quickly, is there anybody here this morning that is struggling in any way with anger? Is there anybody here in the room that's struggling with any kind of sadness? What about anxiety for whatever? Any despair? Fear of any kind? Control or discontentment? There's seven things I've just named. If one of those things or more than one of those things, you say, yeah, here's what I'm going to ask you. Really courageous. I'd like for you to stand. If any one of those seven, and maybe there's more than one, Just lift your hands up. I just quickly want to pray. In addition to everything I've said this morning, I just want to go through a few things here. And you receive. You don't have to say anything. Lord Jesus, this morning, we just say, God, would you take anger? You've called us to cast away all anger and bitterness. Would you take it and throw it away from my life? And would you fill me with your great abiding love, the love that has been poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit? If that's you, you pray right along with that. It's like, would you fill me with your great and abiding love this morning? Lord Jesus, I just want to tell you this morning that I'm sad. Circumstances in my life, there are some sad things happening. And I just give you my sadness. And I say, God, I need you. Would you fill me with joy, the joy of my salvation? Would you come and fill me with your great and abiding joy now? In Jesus' name. And Lord Jesus, you know my anxious heart. You know my anxious heart. You know the anxieties of my life. You know the struggles that I have with it. And Lord, this morning, I confess those things to you And I know that you're working with me and you're helping me, but would you fill me with a deep and abiding peace that comes only from your Holy Spirit this morning? And Lord, I want to give you my despair. There's things that I'm despairing about. I just see the word media, and there's some of you that have despaired about things in the media recently. The Lord just says, you know what, I want you to put your eyes on me, and I'm going to fill you with a great hope, the hope that comes from knowing me author of life. Would you come and fill me with hope? Would you alleviate my despair? Would you get rid of it? In Jesus' name. And Lord, I want to give you all my fears. My fears for my future, my fears for my kids, my fears for my family, my fears for my church, everything. I want to just give it to you. And I say, God, I once again put my trust in you because you are the author of life. You're the one that gives me grace and righteousness, and you've called me to yourself. I trust you. Some of you need to say, I trust you, Lord. Lord, you know that I have a propensity for control and I want to control my circumstances. I know, Lord Jesus, that I can't control it. 
because you're in control. You're the name above all names. You control things. And so I submit myself to you and I detach myself from those things that I've sought to control. And I say, Lord Jesus, that you're the one. And finally, Lord Jesus, I give you my discontentment and I confess that I've been discontented with the blessings that you've given me in my life. And I've been unhappy and I've been looking at other things. Lord, I want to say this morning that I choose to be content in you, content in all things, content in what you've given me. And I choose once again to trust you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We choose to abide in you, Lord Jesus. We choose to trust in you that we are the branches and you're the vine. And without you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, would you cause these prayers of contrition, these heartfelt prayers, these silent prayers, would you cause them to be gathered up by your Holy Spirit? And would you move in my life? Would you move in our lives, God, as a church? In the name of Jesus, amen.